Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my oh my, has it been a interesting last two weeks, and we have taken a perfect sabbatical from talking about MLB news, because of course, this had to come one time where we did not want to talk about MLB news, but of course it happened. This week, we have had probably a million signings, and everybody has been losing their crap. So, what has happened in the last two weeks? Well, we are going to go over that today. Also coming on the pod today is Jason Chadwick. Very, very excited. And uh, as always, we have Luke. Um, Luke, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Just ready to talk up some news. Chadwick later. Uh, let's just get into it. This is not a... This isn't... Hold on. Let me rephrase this. This is in the zone, but it's a different show. All right. Let's just get right into it. With the smaller free agents, J.A. Happ and... Jose Quintana, along with, who am I blanking on that just signed? Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates, yes sir. Kirby Yates is probably the name that jumps out the most, um, but Jose Quintana is also a former all-star. Um, this is really nothing to talk about. Um, literally, the Twins are competing with one other team in the AL Central, and apparently they think it's a good idea to hire a left-handed pitcher to do that. Hint, hint, the White Sox were undefeated against left-handed pitching last year. So, I don't know what their explanation for that is. But, anyway, moving on. Um, the Jose Quintana to the Angels, I mean, eh. I mean, this isn't terrible. He's probably the ace of their staff at this point. I mean, possibly, I guess, maybe Bundy. Um, he's definitely the two-starter. Um, at the at the worst, because that, that staff is so bad. Um, and then, of course, you obviously uh, just had Kirby Yates. I mean, it's a good signing by the Blue Jays, but it's, I mean, he's definitely underrated, but it's nothing it's, like what the Wood Sox did. So, yeah. You know, it's what they need. The, the, the Blue Jays really need that, uh, the pitching, you know. Obviously, you got the uh, lineup, I think, now, but we'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I like the moves by Toronto. I like the Angels, you know, grabbing some pitching because it seems like, you know, the past few years, that's all they've ever needed, you know, but finally, that lineup has something to kind of fall back on in LA, so we'll see how it goes for them. Um, yeah, um, but later on in the show, we're going to go over, uh, who's still up on the free agent market, including the big two, um, I guess you can call them now, um, but yeah, so in my opinion, at least, um, three of the top five free agents are gone, um, we are going to get into Hendricks, we're going to get into Springer, and we're going to get into LeMahieu, so, um, some smaller moves, um, occurred, uh, Michael Brantley, after a report came out that he signed a three-year deal with the Blue Jays, sorry Toronto, nope, you're not, you're still not better than us, even if you made this move. It is, of course, a two-year deal, thirty-six, thirty-six million dollars. Um, pretty, I think it's actually thirty-two million dollars, something like that, um, with the Houston Astros. Um, yeah, this is a really, really good move. The Astros really, really needed him. Um, a lot of people think thought that they weren't going to re-sign him, but. Um, I think this is a great move, quite honestly. They need him. Uh, backtrack to, um, you know, them kind of, you know, they, the Jays thought they were going to get Brantley after just getting Springer and Yates. As a White Sox fan, did you find yourself, 
you know, a, a little worried, a little nervous about these pickups all together, and, you know, what, what, what was your thought? So, actually, uh, we should just get into the Springer news uh, right after the Brantley news, or, I guess, intersecting. Um, honestly, this is worrisome. When I first heard of Springer, um, I, I don't think this is too much of an overpay. I think it's a little bit. I think they paid maybe a million more than they should have. But I don't think it's like what some people, what some salty Mets, Mets fans are saying. Um, this is a good pickup by the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, they're getting the third best center fielder in the game. You could make an argument for second, but I just don't see putting Cody Bellinger under Joy Springer. That's just stupid. Um, a great pickup, but the Brantley news, that scared me too. I will say that. Um, but, you know, I think I was more scared of um, the chain effect that Brantley had because you're bringing in Brantley, and then there was a lot of news that they might trade one of their outfielders to get starting pitching. So now they don't have that luxury to fall back on with Brantley. So that's kind of my thought process is, with Brantley not signing, it's like a whole thing now in Toronto. Yeah, and you know, like you said, they get Brantley, then a whole domino effect happens. They get rid of guys and bring in better pitching. And uh, that would have just been like a big, you know, uh, red flag to uh, the AL, and um, you know we saw last year the Jays made it, you know, because you know eight teams or whatever. Which you know we've obviously been talking in the group chat about how we feel about the seeding, but um, but I mean yeah, I mean I regardless of what seeding I think there will be, I think that the Jays like have a shot to at least be like a good wild card. That might, you know, shock some people, maybe, but I still don't see them going, you know, past the NLD, uh, the ALDS, sorry. Uh, I think that's fair, honestly. Um, I do think with this Springer move, if they stay put, um, they could very well make it to the ALDS. But for anybody saying that they're going to make it past the Yankees, uh, I, I don't see that happening. Like, it's not a 60-game season anymore. Um... I just don't think it'll happen. Their bullpen is good. I mean, Yates is good, but here's the thing about their bullpen. There's no big name that jumps out out of the paper besides Yates, and he just signed with them, and he's been injured for a year. So that's kind of my thought process going into that. But, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, their starting pitching is pretty bad. Um, but, you know, this is, this is kind of reminiscing of uh, what the White Sox did last season. So... The Blue Jays' future is bright, for sure. Um, but I just, I don't know. It, it's good, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, it's, it's almost like an Angels situation. But, uh, which, speaking of the Yankees, if you want to get into the uh, one of the big signings of DJ re-signing to the Yankees, which, in my opinion, uh, I said, you know, before, I didn't think that he was going to go back there. I thought he was going to have enough of New York and he was just going to get out of there because he wasn't getting his money. But they finally agreed to terms, and Yankee fans are probably very happy. Okay, I, I think I... Okay, this was our first podcast um, together. 
And I remember saying that I thought that the Yankees, they looked like they were going to lose out on LeMahieu, and for a little bit, they it looked like they did. I said this back in December, and I said, it's going to be at the last second when they sign LeMahieu. There's going to be a lot of teams interested in him. And I said, the main one to look out for is the Blue Jays. That is what was literally happening. And I said this about Liam Hendricks, too. It's freaking crazy, the things that I can predict. Um, again, let's just look at it from this way. Both teams got what they wanted. LeMahieu wanted a big contract, and the Yankees didn't want to overpay him. So, I mean, they're overpaying him in terms of his probably his fifth and sixth, possibly even fourth year. But he's getting that big contract, and I think that's a good um, move by Brian Cashman. And I guess we'll just scan over that, go to the Corey Kluber. Uh, this is such an overrated move, honestly. It's it's The guy hasn't been good since 2018, possibly even 2017, from who you look at it from. Um... He's dealt with injury. Uh, this is not, in any way, this is not Masahiro Tanaka, and this is not James Paxton. So stop acting like it is and get over it. Well, coming from a, you know, I obviously don't like the Yankees because, you know, if you're not a fan of them, you don't like them. But this is a White Sox fan here, you know, sharing his hate for the Yankees and whatever, you know. Um, but to be honest, I, you know, I, I wrote down, I think that if... If there's a 2017-18 Kluber that shows up for the Yankees, um, which, who knows, because injuries can change your whole life. And um, obviously we haven't seen anything good from him in a few years. So, But if, like, if we do, sad to say that the Yankees obviously you know, are front runners again. And we've talked about this before, how if they didn't re-sign DJ... And if they didn't pick up, you know, um, a solid starter to that rotation, that uh, that things would be going downhill for them, which they still could. You know, it doesn't matter what what happens; anybody can have a bad season. Um, but but yeah, I, I think that, like I said, if Corey can show anything from the past, then it might be a, a good one for the Yankees. Yeah, and I'm not denying anything here, but my point here is stop acting like this is, like, Yankees fans kind of want Trevor Bauer still. I mean, uh, from what I hear, I mean, everybody wants him, but not really me. But, um, you know, I mean, this is a good pickup, but it's just... Boy, White Sox fans. I mean, this is a good pickup. It is, but the point is, is that you're losing Tanaka, you're probably losing... No, you're probably losing Tanaka, and you're most definitely losing Paxton. Um, you just lost Hap, who hasn't been, like, garbage. Like, he's been okay, like... But, it, just the point is, I guess the Yankees... This makes them better, but, I mean... You still needed to make moves. It's simple. Um... Do they still? Do you still have the White Sox over them, or do you not have the White Sox over them right now? On paper, the Yankees look. The Yankees have the edge, in my opinion, because of their bullpen. Um, but uh, the the edge doesn't mean anything because, quite honestly, either one of these teams can tear it up. I personally think the Yankees are gonna 
beat the White Sox in the ALCS and advance to the World Series. Um, but honestly, that's honestly that is me being one hundred percent like I'm kind of lowballing my own team right now. Like so many right. people are saying they're going to win the AL pennant, so you know. Yeah, I mean, you never want to get too cocky, even if your team's like definitely set up to go and win, like right now. But I mean, another good question to ask, I guess, from your point of view, would be like, do you think that this team, the Yankees, right now, can finally get over that hump that they haven't been able to for a while? Because you know, no one's you know complaining about it besides Yankees fans, but they haven't been over that hump, and I don't know how many years. You know, losing in the ALCS or DS, whatever. Um, do you think that this team right now could get over that hump? No. No. Honestly, I see a future in where I, I, I honestly see this. The Yankees, if their entire, um, if they, if they pull the football move, but. All their starters have to be healthy for the postseason. So, here's what I see. If the Yankees can do what they're supposed to do, they're going to be scary. <laughs> but they're not going to do what they're supposed to do. So, it's simple as that. Make a, make a great season. Exactly. I think they either do really good or they fall like way back. And they have to take a couple steps back, maybe. Um, but they do have a chance to take more steps forward. Honestly, I think my my biggest thing about the Yankees here is um if they if they if they re-sign Paxton, it's going to be huge, but they're not going to do that. So, I their starting pitching is just going to be bad, simple. But um unless they go out and get somebody. Um but moving on to the next uh big thing, we got a couple of trades. Joe Musgrove trade. Going to scam over this. The Pirates won. It's a no-brainer. Joe Musgrove is not the guy that you think he is. Well, actually, no. I think he's very, very underrated. But you just gave up a slew of prospects for the guy. I mean, I don't know. It just It doesn't seem like a good trade on paper for me, at least. I don't really like it for, you know, the Padres. Um, you know, he's a solid... You know, he's definitely not, you know, an ace-worthy guy because look at who you already have. But, um, yeah, I do think that the Pirates won because, you know, all the prospects and then you look at his stats from the years. I mean, he hasn't proven. He, has, he hasn't had an ERA under four in his career in a full 162-game season, which, uh, I mean, yeah, underrated, yeah, but... Another guy that you shouldn't be too happy and like ecstatic about getting, kind of like my Nationals getting John Lester. The dude's fifty years old. It's a solid pickup, you know, for the rotation, but it's not something that we should be, you know, celebrating over. It's just another Padres pickup that, you know, on paper didn't really uh, benefit them as much as you are saying. I mean. I guess. Okay, going into the Nationals. And uh, somebody is blowing up my phone right now. Um, but going into the Nationals, 
I mean, you just got Kyle Schwarber, and you got John Lester, so literally you just got, like, two of the Cubs um, that are, you know, historic in the 2016 World Series. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is... I mean, the Schwarber deal is kind of attractive, quite honestly. Um, I think it's a pretty good deal. As far as the Lester deal goes, quite honestly, I don't hate it. I don't, I don't hate it either. You know, I mean, if you look at it this way, if he's coming in to replace Anibal Sanchez, who, yes, in 2019 had a renaissance year, but in 2020 he completely fell off, and obviously it's just, you know, kind of just went out. So if he's coming in to be that four and take over Anibal Sanchez, then I don't hate it at all. I think that he's definitely a solid pickup. Um which, you know, I'm not looking for a star pickup. I'm just looking for depth. And that's what this pickup was. So, same thing with um, Schwarber. Just another power, just adding the power back to the lineup. Same thing we did with Josh Bell. I mean, I like I like the pickups we were making. And, uh, yeah, so, John Lester, uh, we trust. I, I like the pickup. Like, I don't care what people think of it. I, I like it. I just, I, I mean... You can say you already have veteran pitching in there with, you know, I guess Steven Strasburg might even be a veteran, but you have Scherzer, obviously. Honestly, this doesn't, in my eyes, this only puts them farther above the line of good rotation. As in, um, I think this may put them a slot up in where they originally were. So, I mean, that's what I just think of this. So going into the next one, we had um, NYM. The New York Mets got Lindor and Carrasco. They got their guys. Um, rotation is great. Um, probably the top three rotation if it already wasn't. Um, quite honestly, if you're a Yankee fan, stop being salty. They may have lost out on Springer, but they are a better team on paper. Um, if you If you ask a couple of people... In my eyes, I think the Yankees are a little better, but um, I think the Mets can be better than the Yankees. Um, and Lindor, God, this is disgusting. I mean, Lindor, you got Lindor? I mean, come on. What a what a trade, quite honestly. This was awesome. Yeah, uh, very awesome for, you know, an Nats fan to hear. Uh, I'm upset by it, you know, um... You know, congratulations to them. You know, it's a good pickup, but, you know, NL East fans, you know, other than the Mets, aren't too happy right now. Yes, it's solid pickups, but they're still not winning the NL East. I don't care what anybody says. They're not winning it. Um, I would have the Nats winning it over them. You know, I mean, you know, because even when it's been their year, it looks like they still just don't do it. It's the same situation with the Yankees. No, 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 no. It's, it, no, it's not the Mets' fault. If It's Draftneck Mark's fault. You always watch him, and he's like, the Mets are going to win the entire thing. It's never their fault. It's just his but, fault for being an optimistic fan. And he's an optimistic fan, but he's also, you know, a high-knowledge baseball guy. I mean... He could be picking the Dodgers and Yankees every year. And I know, like, it's it's very annoying that he picks the Mets every year. 
If he does it again, but, I'm gonna kill myself. If he does it again, I swear. Then they will win because I feel like Mark is their curse, which you know I'm fine with. Um, <laughs> but in reality, no, I don't see. Uh, I don't see the Braves uh, losing the NLEs to the Mets or anybody else in that division. I just think that they're just too good right now. Even if even losing Marcelo Zuna and. Um, and uh, the, the, the Rain Man a couple years ago. Jack Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. But nickname. We all know. Uh, I mean, we all know that Josh Donaldson has come back to haunt them. I mean, look at it. They lost him, and they have probably one of the worst shortstop and third basemans. I mean, it's. I mean, wait. Ozzy Albies is their second baseman. So they have one of the yeah, worst. Right. Um, they have one of the worst, uh, I guess you could kind of, left, left I, yeah, I, I was just thinking here, I was like, okay, that's right, that's, okay, um, but they have kind of the worst left infield, and in probably the National League, and yet they're still one of the best teams, so, I mean. Right, I mean, all is going to come in, you know, to play third base for you, and Dansby Swanson as short, who, you know, I think's good. You know, no problem with that. Just, you know, Trey Turner's three, you know, ten times better than him. So, you know, I'm, I'm not. Fielder, center field or whatever. And then the pitching, yeah, you know, they're just, they're really stats. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried, you know, because even when they're not good, they're still the Nationals' kryptonite. So, It'll be a fun season to watch, especially. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, that's true, but let's just get into the last signing um, before our interview with Jason. Um, and uh, we got our guy. That's all I gotta say. This is probably the most hyped I've been for, an, for a free agent signing in my entire life. And I've seen some good free agent signings over the past couple of years. Um, Liam Hendricks. On a three-year deal, this is a four-year deal, by the way. Um, stop acting like it's a three-year. This is a full-on four-year deal. They're going to institute the option with the Chicago White Sox. Thank you. Thank you. This was, this was awesome. I love this. This was great. I love, I love everything about this deal. It may be a bit of an overpay, but guess what? You're paying for the best closer in the game. Maybe Josh Hader is better than him a little bit, but you're definitely paying for the second best closer in the game or the best closer in the game. So, I mean, when news broke, this was amazing. I love this. I love this so much. I cannot express this enough, how much this is a great deal, but I cannot express enough that the Chicago White Sox need to make one more move, whether that's a starting pitching move or whether that's a DH move or whether that's a left fielder move. We need to make one more deal. Luke, how'd you feel about this? Hey, man, listen, I love the deal for you. I'm happy for you, White Sox fans. You know, uh, you know they're slowly becoming my favorite AL team simply because of how much you talk about them and, you know, being a little biased, you know, for you or whatever. But uh, I just want to say thank you to uh, the White Sox organization because since that trade, I have not heard Declan stop talking about this pickup. Because every day it is brought up. So when he says it's his be the, the best pickup, you know, that he's seen in his life, he means it. Because 
I've never seen this kid happier. So, uh, but yeah, for real, um, great pickup. You got, I think he's better than Josh Hader. I don't know if you saw the uh, relief um, relief pitchers tier no, list. No, that was blasphemy. Nope. Josh Hader at number 10 is complete disrespect. Hader at 10 was a big much, let's be honest. But I do believe Hendricks is number one. And I'm, pr- and I'm proud of the pickup for you guys in Chicago. Um, the better Chicago team. Exactly. True. That's facts. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. what a what a couple weeks slash possibly a month that has happened since we actually last reviewed baseball. Um, you know, uh, I know Jason plays uh, college baseball, so possibly we get his insight on some things. Um, but for now, that's going to wrap up this segment of the episode. Now let's get into our interview with Jason Chadwick. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, so here's our second uh, segment of the episode. Um, we have Jason Chadwick on. Jason, how you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, so basically, uh, anybody doesn't know, this is the uh, 2020 uh, fourth uh, round draft pick um, for, for the Metro Magic. Um, he finished third in Rookie of the Year voting. Um, should have finished first, um, but um, and uh, he is the Metro Magic ace. Uh, hit like a billion home runs. Uh, a lot off my favorite team. Um, and uh, yeah, so Jason, um, it's good to have you on. Um, and uh, let's just get right into it. Sounds good. All right, so um, getting into our first question here. Uh, so. Obviously, you got drafted by the Metro Magic, but um, what was kind of um, your initial thoughts of that? Like, did you want to get drafted to any team in particular? Or um, My favorite team before I entered the league was the Mallards. And then I knew they had the fifth pick. And in the Winter League, actually, I was, like, the worst one on my team. Like, I was definitely worse than Trevor or Chris. So I thought I was going to be picked either fifth or sixth, the matter of Mallards or Cobras, but and then I was picked fourth, and that was kind of shocking. But I really didn't care where I went; I just kind of wanted to be in the league. So it didn't matter too much to me uh, where I got drafted. Yeah, um, and so obviously you t- got taken uh, fourth by uh, Jack Agner, and um, so a, a quick question that comes up from that. Um, did you actually meet Jack before this, or? No, no, because Jack, I don't know if people know, he, he plays lacrosse in, uh, Rhode Island, I think it is, and so, he, like, is obviously, it's kind of hard for him just to fly into Michigan every Monday night, so I didn't even meet him, it was basically Kyle and Tommy just kind of told him, like, about, like, the kids that were left, and he picks me, and then... He DM'd me on Instagram saying, like, he was going to pick me. But, no, I didn't meet him until literally the first series of the year. And uh, so when you met him, was it kind of like... So, obviously, I know you've been watching the videos for um, Mm -hmm. quite a bit. um, But when you met him, was it kind of like, I don't know, um, was it like everything that you thought Jack Agner was going to be? Yeah, yeah, no, he's the same person on the camp. Uh, 
I'm sorry, you completely broke up there. Uh, can you just repeat? Oh, did I? Yeah, that might have been me. Sorry um, about that. Yeah, so uh, he's he's the same guy he is off the camera, he is on the camera. So he's really energetic. Um, he even off even when you strike out, like he'll always pick you up off the camera. He's he's just an amazing captain to have because he's really confident in his teammates and he is just uh, really up upgoing guy so it's really fun to play for him right and um so obviously your first series uh you came with uh joey flynn yourself jack and uh mitch montagno um so i guess you get on the mound and uh what was your like initial reaction because it it wasn't the meadows it was obviously colt's field but um what was kind of your initial reaction to like was the mound further than you expected it to be? Um, yeah, it, the worst part was the zone was a lot. This is the zone, the strike zone we use, like me, the one we use, because Jordy has one, we use his, and it is a lot bigger than the MLW strike zone. So adjusting to that was the hardest part. And also, you're just like really nervous because, like, you're the, it's the first time you're ever on camera playing wiffle ball. And especially excited to start. I didn't think I was going to start game one. Like I, I, I did when I got drafted. That was when Kyle Hook was still supposed to be like around. So I thought I was just going to have to pitch like you know like one inning a game, one inning a series, stuff like that. But um, no, I was. It was pretty nerve wracking the first series, kind of just soaking it all in, realizing I'm actually in the league. Right, and I, I, I bet that that's uh, you know, the same. Uh, way that everybody else feels, but uh, I know. So you yeah. mentioned you mentioned Trevor is you know your good friend, and uh, so did you guys go to the series um, together? Yeah, yeah. Me and him and Jorgie all went to that series together, and um, so I was kind of just me and Trevor were kind of just chirping in the car ride there. Whoever is playing that day usually will just drive everyone. Yeah, and um, so, uh, so anyone like um, I bet like, I don't know um, obviously you were down in that ga- in that first game, um, and uh, obviously you hit a walk off home run I believe uh for the Magic to win that game um, it was it ended up being your first home run uh. Were you, like, really, really happy about it? And, uh, um, I don't know. What was your emotions uh, when you hit that ball? Yeah, well, that, that entire game, that was when Tom was pitching, and I, I looked horrible. Like, I, I struck out, like, my first, like, five at-bats, I think. And so eventually, I, because he kept throwing me his drop, obviously, that no one can ever hit. So the last at-bat, the last at bat, I literally did not swing until I saw him throw the drop, and then I kind of just hoped it was down the middle. So I sh- I swung in the middle of the strike zone and somehow just I don't know I don't know how I did it, but it was awesome. It was really surreal. I didn't expect that, but yeah, it was an amazing feeling. Yeah, and uh, obviously um, going down the line here, you uh, you ended up winning 
well, you got elected to your first All-Star game, um, and you ended up winning the uh, the Home Run Derby. Uh, and I actually DM'd you uh, when you actually won, and I saw it on video, and I said you were the, you were the first person um, since uh, Zach Hopman in 2012 to actually win the Derby their rookie year. Um, and uh, that that's really, really hard to do, um, just to win a Derby in the first place, but... Um, there's also nerves going into your first, you know, season, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so, um, that whole day was awesome, because the All-Star game, obviously everyone knows the AL just absolutely trumps, you know, I ended up hitting a homer in the All-Star game, and then the homer derby was literally, like, right after, like, probably, like, ten minutes after the All-Star game, we do the homer derby, and... Yeah, I, I, my first round was awful. I needed, like, two gold balls to even advance to the second round. But then, I don't know, I guess when you get into it, it's kind of like the real home run derby. You know, when batters get into a groove, it's kind of a lot easier for them. So, it's kind of just what I did. I was just shocked Kyle only hit, like, five, because usually he hits, like, 22 each round. But, yeah, I was that, that was really fun. That was a really fun day. Yeah, um, and obviously, uh, you guys just destroyed the uh, uh, NL uh, for the. Uh, that's every single year that the AL has played the NL in the All Star Game. It's never turned out uh, the way the NLs wanted. Four straight years uh, of yeah, failure. No, I don't know. It's, and we, this, we didn't even have Cratch, or we didn't have Nick Saylor in that game either. Yeah. I mean, you had two substitutes, with which nothing on Joey and Jack, but, I mean, come on. Jorgie. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Jorgie, I mean, it would have been I mean. nice to have Crash because he's, like, you know, like one of the two best players in the league. But, yeah, no, that was fun. That was definitely fun. Yeah, uh, that that was uh, really something to watch there, uh, especially uh, being a Mallards fan and all. I honestly felt like the only person who actually pitched correctly in that game was Tommy. Tommy, so Tommy, if you had Tommy even said that was like the best he's pitched no matter any series or anything, that the All-Star game was the only series that he really was like like zoned in because he made me look stupid like seven times when he was pitching. It was really bad. I, I would have substituted Tommy's pitching in that game for like, the Gators or D-back series any day because we would have taken <laughs> two. And, of course, yeah, the guy... You only, yeah, you only missed the playoffs by, what, like one game? Yeah. and All because, all because Gators couldn't win one game against the... At least all because Jordy couldn't win one game against Dan. That's why I remember that. We were at that series. Jordy's a, Jordy's a bum. I don't know how he didn't <laughs> win that one. I'm really, really mad at him. I'm just kidding. No, we didn't even uh, deserve it, quite honestly. We got swept twice. Yeah, I always... Uh, because he's my roommate, and I always um, will dig into him for the All-Star Team in the World Series, because he wasn't too hot, neither of those. And uh, he, he wasn't too hot second half, either. Um, but he, no, he wasn't. He was lights out in that NLDS. Um, it, yeah. it was, it I think was he was definitely. pissed, because he had to miss the Diamondback Series the first time, so then he was like, yeah, I'm not getting swept by these guys again. <laughs> Yeah, um, and uh, obviously you uh, you have a pretty pretty good year. I would say uh, I actually ranked you 
I believe, fourth or fifth as uh, best rookie seasons of all time. I think it was fourth. Um, and uh, so, obviously, uh, you have a pretty good regular season, and you make a comeback second half in typical magical fashion. Uh, uh, you guys uh, f- end up going 5-10, and ten and uh, pretty much, I don't know, despite Drew Davis making some gold glove grabs, uh, you guys end up winning that series, and you're going to the playoffs for the first time. Um, so was it kind of like a different accomplishment, and uh, how was how was the feel to finally go to the playoffs? Oh, man, that was... I knew, we knew going into the Preds series, all we had to do was win one game against the Preds in the fourth series of the year to have a chance to beat the Cobras. And so we won that game. And so then we knew we just had to win the series. And even going to the field, like it was all like just crazy nerve-wracking. The whole series was, obviously everyone saw the series was insane. Like literally every, there was injuries, hospital visits, top ten plays, walk off, literally everything. And so that, that whole series alone was just insane. And then to win it was, I don't know, that was, that series had a much different feel to it than any other series I've played in all year. It was, it was crazy, but it was insane to me that we even had a chance to make the playoffs after how bad we started. And, you know, getting Liam is the reason we made the playoffs. Cause obviously Liam went, crazy in the game three of that series and so i don't know that was that was crazy that was that was very fun even competing for a playoff spot yeah um it kind of reminds me like uh i'm a white Sox fan so obviously my life sucks um and uh well i'm a tigers fan you see oh no 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 you don't get you don't get to you don't get to you know cry about it to me i i haven't seen a I haven't seen a playoff run from this team in so I literally this was the first time they've made the playoffs where I can actually remember watching it because okay, I was three what, years what old. You, I was three years old. Now the White Sox are gonna be good for so long. Okay, like, but you're gonna be good for like pretty oh, long too. Yeah, maybe in four years. Two years try. Casey Mize, Spencer maybe. Torkelson. I mean, we should be rewarded. We've been the worst team in baseball over the last five years. So I mean. I owe. Last five years, I don't know about that one. You maybe need to I mean, check what, with the what, Orioles 20, and Marlins. The last, the last game of the playoffs was twenty fourteen. Yeah, twenty fourteen. I think so. so. The last, yeah. Okay, the last four years, because twenty fifteen they only missed the playoffs by a couple games, but the year after is when everything started going really, really south. I, I'll never forget. Uh, uh, probably the saddest thing: the White Sox were like three games away from the Tigers in twenty twelve. And uh, we all know what happened to the Tigers. They ended up winning the American League pennant, which isn't fair. Um, yeah, but then they got destroyed by the Giants. So yeah, that, that Tigers team was still the best team I've ever seen to not win anything. They all, I mean, they won the AL, but like the rotation literally was Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Rick Porcello, Anibal Sanchez winning yeah. the title. Yeah, and they, that, had, they had six all-stars in their batting lineup. Holy. And they didn't even win a world. They didn't even win a game in the World Series. Oh, that's how sad that is. Um, <laughs> I mean, and that, oh, you also had the MVP in there. Yeah, we had a, we had a triple crown. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and then the next year, 
Justin Verlander won the MVP. Yeah, Justin Verlander won the MVP. <laughs> and yeah, we had we had three straight MVPs. It went Miggy, JV, Miggy again. And we didn't win a World Series game, let alone a World Series. Yeah, um, and uh, you also... Um, there's also some breaking news. Um, you know, obviously Hank Aaron died yesterday, which is yeah. extremely sad. Um, because, honestly... This is probably the saddest death of, like, all of the, uh, probably, maybe in baseball, like, history. Like, yeah, this is. guy is, like, immortal. He was, yeah. he was so good at, you know, uh, being a leader, uh, I'd say. Um, and, uh, it's just sad. Uh, 2021 yeah. is not the year that people thought it would be. No, it's, uh, it's definitely horrible. I mean, he had, what, 700 and... 16 home runs, I think it was. Yeah. He's definitely, in my opinion, one of the top three or five baseball players ever. But that's sad. We had Kobe last year, Hank Aaron this year. Yeah. It It, it absolutely does suck. And uh, obviously, uh, uh, this is a huge dent in the baseball world, which, I mean, Tom Seaver, um, just to name another... uh, you know, it's been tough. Uh, but anyway, going into the next question, um, obviously your playoff series uh, against the Predators, um, in my opinion, I thought that you guys um, actually pretty much outplayed them or, I guess, played better. You guys won game one, um, which doesn't mean anything for the American League teams. You guys won game one, and the Preds end up winning that series. The Preds won game one of the American League Championship Series. They lost that series, and the Wildcats won Game One of the World Series, and they yeah. lost that series. Very, very weird pattern. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I, it's just, it's just so tough because obviously the the rule is in the regular season where you need two pitchers, but in the playoffs, like if you win Game One, you still have to beat Crash one more time, and it's after a while, like he starts, you know, doing Ryan Crash things that no one else can do. And so, and I also, the, oh, hold on, um, sorry, the second game, the ball actually broke, in like the third inning, the ball broke, and so I tried, since I started throwing my riser, because obviously I throw my riser like 82% of the time, my riser started dropping, and I was like, why, like, why is it doing that? I look, and the ball literally has, like, a huge crack, like, down the middle of it. And so then I was like, all right, well, like, maybe we'll put Liam in because I can't throw a riser with this ball, so I'm not going to be able to pitch. And Liam couldn't throw a strike. And so then we switched balls, and then by then, like, crash just, like, uh, he's, he's just so hard to hit. Like, it's, it's so hard to get around on him. But, I mean, we literally had more hits than them. Um, we had more total runs than them. We literally beat them in like the run differential in like the series, but it was just I don't know. Just that game three was just we had a, we had a couple tough breaks. Then Liam had one that was like one inch away from going over that would have given us the lead in the second inning, and that bounced back over the into the field of play. So I don't know. It was. Um, I'm just glad that we made the playoffs, to be honest with you. The playoff series to me than the Preds series did. Because I don't think anyone really expected us to beat the Preds. 
He has a pre- I, I feel like we didn't have much to lose against the Preds because it's not like people really expected us to win that. But in the Cobra series, like people were actually wanting us to win that series because obviously the Cobras are like the, no one likes them. So I don't know. It was it was just kind of different. Yeah. Um. I don't know about that na- analogy about the Cobras, but uh, you know, I, I like Drew. Drew's Drew's a good guy. Um, Drew's a guy. I like the guys on the team. I, I like the guys. Like me and Drew, me, Drew, Liam, and Jorgie went golfing. Like it was literally like four days after we beat the Cobras to make the playoffs. Drew wanted to go golfing with me and Liam for some reason, and he's actually a hilarious guy. Like I, when we were golfing, he is so funny. Like, so funny. I like the team. The team's really cool. Just, obviously, they have a different narrative around the league than everyone else does. Honestly, that sounds like the biggest setup I've ever heard. Four days after the, you you eliminate this guy from um, yeah, winning a World Series, he was like, hey, do you guys want to come over and play some golf? Sounds like Drew wants to murder you. He was the one that literally asked me if Jorgie and Liam could go golfing with us. I was like... I mean, yeah, I'll bring Liam. Like, why not? Like, you just basically ended your season, like, three days ago. But, sure. Why not? But, yeah, that was really fun. That was really, we, didn't, we didn't throw it into his face too much. We kind of threw subtle jabs at him. But... Well, that's that's true. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, and, uh, obviously, um, so... Uh, you're probably going to win MVP sometime, according to MLW Center. Um, and uh, that guy's goaded, by the way. Um, uh, Jay Chatty Enthusiast. Um, yeah, he, uh, he's a huge fan. Yeah, um, and uh, obviously, uh, so y- you have a pretty bright future with the Magic. Um, and uh, if you had to, you know, base, like, uh, if you had to put your record... Um, you know, to I guess, uh, to the test or whatever. Uh, what what would you think would be your record for uh for twenty twenty one? My goal is to go nine and six. Oh my god! Because I think my whole issue is walking people, and everyone knows that. And because if you look at the stats, I allowed like. I pitched the most innings. No, the set, I was one third of an inning away from leading the league in innings. I was like second strikeouts, first in walks, and like second fewest hits allowed. Out. And so I feel like if I don't walk people, like we could probably two or three of those losses we had were just because I completely lost control and couldn't strike. And then you throw Liam in there and game twos are not any more cakewalks when you're facing Jack like they were. And so I think at the very minimum, I want to go 8-7, but I could see us winning nine games this year. Nine games for the Magic. Yep. That's that's yep. a pretty big test to put. Um, in yep. fact... Uh, yeah, I think we can do it. In fact, uh, you know, there's not been a lot of 9-6 uh, and six teams um, or better uh, that weren't named the Wildcats or Eagles. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's been uh, 2017 Mallards, 9-6, and six, um, and then Preds were 9-6 and six this year. Um, obviously, I think uh, I think the AL, the AL was a little better, um, you know, this year. Um, but I just, you know, uh, 
you know, people say the Mallards were 7-8, and eight, they should have made the playoffs. No, uh, they were terrible. They were trash um, against the D-backs and Gators. Um, they need to get it together. Uh, Tommy needs to needs to step it up there for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, they're losing, like, they're losing. Oh, I think I think Noah's gone. I don't know if Steve's playing. Steve's probably gonna be gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, then you got what Trevor, Tommy, and Johnny Bean. Probably their draft pick too. Their number two oh, pick. Oh yeah, I forgot they what pick did they have? They, yeah, they got two. Yeah, their draft pick will definitely play. Yeah, I think their draft pick is actually gonna be um, like a Nick Saylor type guy, just kind of hitter. Yeah, I mean, I, Yeah, um, I think it'll be like uh, a cool experience um, now that you're not a rookie anymore. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll just be fun, kind of watching the rookies go through what we did and seeing how they adapt to it. Versus, cause obviously, our rookie class was kind of kind of special because there was, I think, there was like four MVP finalists were rookies. The if you look at the league leaders, like every single statistic, there's like four rookies in the top ten. So the rookies were just kind of, I don't know, they were just, they were just very good. It's going to be hard to top our rookie class. Yeah, it, it is, um, for sure. Uh, I think, uh, you know, a guy who often gets overlooked is Ben Wilson. Um, he was a rookie, uh-huh. and uh, yeah. people just underlook him so much. Like, in my opinion... If there was no draft, like, um, I think Ben would have clearly won Rookie of the Year because he was not a draft really? pick. Yeah. He was he wasn't a draft pick, and yeah. I I think he was just um, pretty good this year. He batted pretty well. Um, his fielding was off the charts. Was robbed of Gold Glove, but um, that's just my <laughs> thoughts on that. Because um, uh, in my opinion, he made like three great catches. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I Drew's obviously was awesome, but um, that was over one series. Um, no, that was that Drew's was over like a three course, the three at that span. Ben's was like he did one in the Wildcat series. The next one was in the Gator series. He did his in at least different series. Yeah, it was a little more spread out. Um, yeah, it was. But um, I think uh, my last question here is, um, so obviously Jack um, hit an absolute nuke, or at least it looked like that, Um, and uh, Drew's running um, to get the ball, and he ends up going through the wall, Um, and uh, what were you thinking right there um, as you saw Drew actually make the catch? Um, I think I think I was on first base, but um, no, I literally we all thought it was gone. I think the ball broke when Jack hit it because, like, off the bat, that was like a no doubt home run. Like that ball was absolutely killed, and then it just it started like fluttering a little bit. You kind of see it like kind of like knuckle balling through the air, and like everyone obviously started running. Like the bases, like we all thought it was gone, and then you know Drew just kind of leaped over the fence and grabbed 
was like, what just happened? Like, that was the best catch I've ever seen in whistle ball in person. Like, that was, I don't know, that was, that was insane. I don't even, I, I had a play like that in that same series. It was the, who hit it? Drew. It was Drew's homer off Liam in like the second or third inning. And I literally could have robbed it. And I kind of just like stopped running, just let it go over the fence. And after, I was like, like man, like I, I should have like jumped the fence. Like that would have been freaking dope. Like I don't know why I didn't do that because Drew's was like, the, the fence is still broken from Drew, actually. You know, the, the, the Homer Liam, the one against the Preds, uh, the one that went off the fence, if that fence never got broken, that would have been a home run. It pisses me off. It's because the fence is lean, it's still leaning backwards from where Drew broke it. And so they didn't even fix it. And so, yeah, the fence, I don't know, I mean, I hope, I, I'm assuming they'll fix it in the offseason. But yeah, the fence, the entire World Series, that whole fence was literally leaning backwards compared to all the, all the other fencing because Drew broke it. Yeah, and what I hear, that fence is pretty expensive. Or Yeah, you no, know. it's, that, that fence is really, really nice. I don't know where they get it from, but it's, uh, it's definitely not easy to, like, do what Drew did to it because he destroyed that thing. But it was kind of insane. Yeah, um, and uh, obviously, uh, honestly, you talked about how you've never seen a greater catch uh, in person. And, uh, like, from your perspective, I could see why. But from from my perspective as a viewer, watching Zach Pirock make that catch was... Oh, yeah. I mean, series, that yeah. that thing was, it was so poorly tracked. I mean, he was, like, looking yeah, up. He was like, where, where am I going for this thing? That, that's just pure in a nutshell. Like, he's so bad at, like, the mechanics of, like, wiffle ball. Like, he's just, like, doesn't know how to field fly balls. He doesn't know how to make contact, like, stuff like that. He just, like, he's, like, a lot of kids. They, they're, they're, like, not well-trained, like, on how to, like, do, like, the technique and mechanics of baseball slash wiffle ball. But then they just go up there and hit absolute nukes. Like, that's what Pirock does. But it's, it's funny. Like, yeah, Pirock took an absolutely awful track to that ball. Like, he went, like, four different directions before he could even caught it. Yeah, um, and, uh, like, watching that from, like, a viewer perspective, that thing was... I mean, Noah hit that ball, and as a Mallard fan, I was like, dude, that thing is destroyed. That thing is way up there. There's no way that that thing isn't getting out. But uh, it's just Zach doing weird Zach things. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, he's, he's kind of a weirdo. <laughs> um, and uh, obviously, uh, you, so obviously the Magic uh, hoping to bounce back after... Um, you know, a pretty good, a pretty good year, um, at least from like, uh, I guess, late postseason perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and obviously, uh, I know you're looking forward to the season. Um, but last question. Um, so obviously, I saw in your story, Georgie and you were uh, playing wiffle ball, or yeah. from what it seemed like. Yeah. Um, so are you guys practicing? Um, you know, uh, wherever it is you are. Yeah, yeah, we're we're at college right now, and so Jory brought a strike zone, and we have a friend, and um, he likes to hit, and so we'll literally just bring him along, and we'll have him just stand in the box, 
and we'll literally just pitch to him. Like we, we, we did that for probably like two hours, just kind of throwing different pitches, trying to get our control down. And cause obviously we, we leave college like May 1st and the season starts like the first couple me- weeks of May. And so we don't really have time to like go home and, really practice with our own strike zones and stuff like that. So we have to do whatever we can here to get locked in for the season. Right. And, um, you know, so, uh, I think that's about wrapping it up. Uh, Jason, I want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, of course. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, no problem, man. Um, so I think that's about wrapping it up guys. Um, thank you for joining us uh, on this edition of in the zone. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to In the Zone, the podcast where we talk all about MLW and the news and notes from around it. Hi, guys. I'm Declan, or Mallage Y, or uh, I guess Tommy, please draft a hitter on Instagram now. Um, but today uh, we have, we're actually going to talk about baseball more um, because there's been a lot of stuff going on, and uh, today we also have a Cubs fan on. Uh, he's going to give us some insight on why the Cubs uh, are terrible. Um, and. Uh, also, uh, this is Diamond Report um, on Instagram. Um, you can follow his handle. Uh, I think it's I, th- I think it's like Diamond. Uh, I think it's like Diamond Point Report, something like that. Yeah. So how you doing, man? So we got some baseball stuff, obviously. Uh, obviously, some big news. Uh, Jacques signed. Um, we got uh, so obviously Jacques Peterson signed a one-year, seven million dollar deal with the Cubs. Uh, unfortunately, um, it was then reported that um, uh, the White Sox tried to pick him up uh, for ten million. Um, and uh, it, he actually declined the option. Um, he asked for more money, uh, but obviously uh, you're a Cubs fan. So how do you feel about like this deal? Um, and how did how do you think it affects the Cubs? Very much. I think he is an upgrade over Tyler. I don't think he's an upgrade. Story as annoying as it would be to watch because he's a Cubs fan and as a baseball fan, just that he obviously cares about the Cubs and he feels like he wants to play there instead of you know as we see people like Bauer who are just going to go wherever they can get the most money and they don't care about anything else. Clearly. He had a path, and he appreciated so I think that's encouraging to see. It shows that they're doing something right. Ricketts and uh, Yeah, and I think, like, um, I think, like, like you said, uh, I think this is a good, like, a good thing for Jacques Peterson. Like, I don't necessarily like um, what this guy... Uh, what this guy did, because uh, he asked for more money, uh, you know, uh, with us, but he took, uh, you know, less money with the uh, with the Cubs. Uh, but you know, I do I do like it. You know, it's a it's a nice move because like most of the time, guys will just take whatever is the most money and they'll run away with it. But 
Um, I think that we saw that not only with Jock Peterson, but we saw that with Liam Hendricks, too. He talked about it, and, uh, yeah, he did talk about it a little bit. He said that uh, he thinks that it's a good organization. So I think, like, that level of commitment is pretty awesome um, in retrospect because uh, Trevor Bauer is just, uh, he's a disgrace to the game. He just is. I don't like him. social media presence, which is great for him, but he's really, he's a jerk. He disparages reporters who are just trying to do their job, and he, everything in it is attention for him. He doesn't care about anything or anyone else, and I think not the kind of guy I want to see in baseball. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the same thing. Um, I think, uh, look, Trevor Bauer's probably going to make his decision in the next two weeks, and um, it's just, it's annoying knowing that, you know, some guys work so hard to get just, you know, a few contract offers, and this guy is getting, like, an offer of, like, probably 20 million, 30 million, like, and he won't take it. It's so annoying to know that, like, some guys get underpaid, like Jacques Peterson, and... This guy's asking for, like, $40 million a year. It's like, you had one good 60-game season, all right? Calm down. Like, ugh, it's just, it's annoying. Yeah, and then there was this whole narrative about him. He is just trying to build his brand. He's just trying to build his brand. You know why he's trying to build his brand? It's because he wants more money. Everything is about the money to the guy. The only reason he cares about his social media is so he can get money. He sells merch for his YouTube channel. He on his YouTube channel. Everything about it is the money. And he plays it off like it's not. But I'm not falling for it. He 100% all he cares about is the money. And I find it, once again, obnoxious. And I think it shows exactly yeah, all this stupid stuff about his, like, brand, quote-unquote, is so, like, it's just so arbitrary. It's like, dude, nobody cares, you don't care about your brand, you care about your money, and so does your agent. I hate, I hate Rachel Luba. They're both so annoying. She's like, oh, well, Trevor Bauer deserves this money, and Yasiel Puig didn't do this, and he didn't, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I just hate both of them. Like, they're so annoying, like... I know, like, his fan base is, like, 12-year-old kids that, like, you know, are always complaining that, like, there shouldn't be a universal DH or something like that. Like, it's just, <sighs> Trevor Bauer's just annoying. If he if he came to play for the, for the Sox, I sure hope that they wouldn't put him anywhere near um, Lucas Giolito or Dallas Keuchel. They are one and two. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a different, it's a different caliber. It's a different thing. It's stupid. I want to be every four days since we did this. Side with the characters every four days. The A's or the Rays or someone like that. You're not going to do that on a good team. Like, it, it's completely self-contradictory, actually. He said, I don't know if you watched that video, but he said, number one, I want to play for a World Series contender. That's a good team that's successful all around. Number two, I want to pitch every four days. If you're on a World Series contender, you would hope that you don't have to pitch every four days and that your team can pick it up and have five good starters in the rotation. So to me, that's, it's idiotic and it's brainless. It's brainless. 
he, for some reason, he's thinking, like, okay, I want to pitch every four days. He's not in the postseason every day. I mean, this isn't this isn't the postseason where, you know, you throw four starters out there and then you work every single last ounce of, like, I guess, um, arm fluid in their body until, like, because it's the end of the year. So it's, it's just annoying to know that some guys work so hard while this guy's just, you know... Oh, I'll just take the most money. Simple. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we really haven't seen done in a very, very long time in baseball. And for him, being a fringe top 15 pitcher in the league, he's going to be ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. I'd say the same thing. Um, I, I honestly think uh, that, honestly, if you're gonna if you're gonna pitch for a good team, and you're gonna say to yourself, like, uh, well, I should pitch every four days. It's like, dude, you are literally competing for a World Series contending team that you said yourself you want to play for. Now you're saying literally that you want to pitch every four days. The team that he's going to, they're not gonna let him pitch every four days. He's going to go to the Mets. I think we all can see it. And if he's not going to go to the Mets, it's going to be some random team that swoops in the last second, like the Manny Machado deal. Simple as that. Another team I can see that's even in the running right now is the Dodgers because he he might take a short-term deal to get that high AAV, you know, the $32 million or whatever he thinks he's worth. And I think the Dodgers would be willing to go a two- or three-year deal Maybe uh, if it's a two-year deal, maybe sixty-five million dollars, which to me is unnecessary and unnecessary. You've got Bueller and Kershaw at the top of that rotation, but um, if they feel like they need to do that. They're, as we know, the Dodgers are never hesitant to spend money. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um, but I, I guess so. Go, going into our next topic here. Um, yes. Obviously. We have seen a lot of teams make good acquisitions. In my opinion, the most the uh, team with the best offseason so far has far and away been the Padres. They went from like number seven in power rankings all the way to number two, just like that. Um, and uh, honestly, they're they're really really scary. But my problem is Darvish. I'm sorry, it's just Darvish. He's getting older. Um, and uh, Clevenger's going to be out. Like, this is a all-star rotation. This is the best rotation far and away, in my opinion. I I just don't see the Dodgers competing. If the Dodgers get Bauer, quite honestly, it's it, it's kind of like a... I don't want to say it's... Um, I would say it's a toss-up, honestly. Like, I don't think it's... Um, like, right now, the Padres far and away have the best uh, rotation. But if Bauer actually does what Bauer did this year, um, or at least something like that, I think it's going to be close um, between the Padres and the Dodgers, who has the best rotation. Yeah, I mean, I think on paper the Padres are the best team in baseball, but you have to take into account that Tatis, the stud that he is, he's a very, very good player, and I know on my Instagram it sometimes comes off as if I don't think he's a good player. I think he's a very talented player. I think he will be a top 20 player in baseball someday. Um, but he hasn't played 162 games yet. 
So we don't know if it's stardom is sustainable. And it very easily, like Sterling Castro with the Cubs, I'm going to use a Cubs example, very good player right now. When he came up, the guy was a stud. He was Tatis. Everyone, he's going to be one of the best players in baseball. And he flatlined. First, first 80 games or something, he was a superstar. And then sometimes it's not sustainable. You always see these guys come up out of nowhere. And Tatis came up and he did Tatis things. He was very good. But again, I don't know how sustainable it is. I can say the same thing about Cronenworth and LeMet as well. I don't know how proven he is. Uh, uh, here's my problem with the Padres. It's okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of the Instagram drama, but there's there's been some stuff. Um, that let's just say that. Um, my problem is, look, you. I hate it when people are now. I just want to use this as a quick example. The Mets and the White Sox, for example, mostly the White Sox, um, and and the Blue Jays, I guess too. Um, my problem with the Padres is, here's the thing, Cronenworth. Profar and um, like a few other platoon slash like I guess everyday guys. You need to yep. evaluate. You need to evaluate it. Get it through your head. Eric Hosmer is not a top ten first baseman anymore. Yeah. He was a top ten first baseman when he won that championship with the Royals. He is no longer a top ten first baseman. Get it through your heads. He doesn't deserve that money. Anyway, yes. my problem with the Padres is people keep saying on and on and on they are a great team. They're going to win the World Series. Whatever. But the same kind of people that are saying that, they are the same kind of people that are saying that the White Sox are overhyped and they only had a good 60-game season. You want to talk to me about that when the Padres literally just had a good 60-game season. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about the White Sox. Look, in, in my opinion, they're overrated. They're my team, but they're overrated. The same thing with the Padres. They are overrated. The Blue Jays, they're a little underrated, quite honestly. They're flying under the radar. But my problem yeah, is... Uh, if the Blue Jays add another starter, they can do so much damage. Like, I think a low-risk pickup for them. Jake Arrieta, Taiwan Ooh. Walker. Um, Odorizzi. Who else is out there? Odorizzi, yeah. Odorizzi, Paxton. Um, any of those guys, I think, would be great for them. I thought Alex Wood would have been great for them, but he signed with the Giants. It's like people they can get for cheap and their pitching coach and their entire staff over there, very, very talented people. Last season they got Taiwan Walker at the trade deadline, took him from a below average pitcher to all-star caliber in the second half of that season. So I'm really excited to see more that Robbie Ray, Steven Matz, and uh, Tyler Chatwood. Don't forget about Nate Pearson. Interesting to watch. They all have crazy potential, and I think with the right coaches, they can they can really be great. We've seen flashes of greatness from all of them. Yeah, but like I love I I like the Blue Jays. Like um, honestly, I think they're a good competition in the AL a league that is extremely weak. Um, I honestly let's just assess the situation. Basically, what we're looking at for the AL here is a three-team race, uh, essentially a dogfight, and a wild card. That wild card is the Twins. And those three teams are, in order, Yankees, White Sox, Blue Jays. Simple as that. Uh, it's, it's, a weak, it's a weak league. Um, yep. And I just... The NL is so stacked. Like, it's just... 
it's so stacked. Everyone's going there. Um, I think Bauer might even go. Uh, Bauer's probably going to the National League too. Um, but um, again, though, I, I just don't like this assumption. Like, obviously, the Padres have proven everything. But let me throw a situation out there for you. You get if anyone remembers the 2016 White Sox, everybody expected them to, if not make the playoffs, be in the competition until probably the last day, and then probably make a wild card. But guess what happened? They didn't gel correctly because they threw in all these random guys and they just shoved them in a locker room and they said, you know what, why don't you guys go do something? And then they did absolutely nothing. Todd Frazier and Adam Eaton destroyed the entire clubhouse. The reason why they went into a rebuild, I'm not saying that's going to happen to the Padres. They're young. But you have to consider that this team has to gel because there is a lot of starters there. That's it. Yeah, there's a lot of personalities also. I think we all know. Manny Machado with his I'm not Mr. Hustle or whatever bullshit comments. Oops, I don't know if to swear on uh, the podcast, but they really are. They're, it was pathetic and it made me angry. They've got Tatis who probably has an inflated ego from being like a young player in the league. Snell, of course, is a very confident guy. Has no problem calling people out. So I think it'll be interesting to see how this personality is. Um, mix. I think we also could see the 2017 Warriors though, where they all mix and stride and they become a great team. So, only time will tell there. It's a very possible scenario though. Yeah, um, I, that's a very possible scenario, obviously. Um, I think, you know, it's pretty good um, What what's happening over there in the Padres organization. Uh Obviously, the just to go over a few cliff notes, the the Blue Jays signed Marcus Simeon. Uh, my opinion, a bit of an overpay. Um, but some people are saying it's an underpay. Some people are saying it's an overpay. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, this guy was uh, like average shortstop before 2019. Uh, but he's a he's a top three AL MVP finalist. He was underrated going into this offseason. and. Uh, Honestly, I think this is a great pickup by the Blue Jays, and uh, it's definitely going to improve their team for sure. Oh yeah, I there's no doubt. I think I think the Blue Jays all around all of their off season have been very strategic and very planned, whereas other teams are kind of going off a whim. Like this guy likes our offer. <laughs> I think they've got a very good infield now. That you're looking at the railroad first. Um, Semyon at second, maybe. I think that's where they're going to put him now. And then you've got Machette at shortstop, and you've got Biggio at third. And I think that's a very young infield. And Guerrero, we haven't seen the best from him yet. Hey. We really haven't. I have so much faith that that guy's going to be good. I think he's very underrated right now, and he lost... 30 pounds, I think they said, this offseason. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back a different player. Uh, honestly, my thinking of of Vlad is... Uh, my thinking of him is if Simeon stays with the Blue Jays for long term and uh, this one-year deal isn't just a one-time thing, um, and it could very well be, but... I don't think we're going to see him return to third uh, because Biggio was obviously uh, at at second, at least um, last year. 
and you yeah. know Vlad would kind of switch off from third to first. But if this Simeon thing is a long-term thing, uh, don't expect to see Vlad uh, at third that much anymore. He's probably just going to get settled into first and uh, possibly just, um, no. It just might it just might be like that, quite honestly. Uh, it It's hard to predict, but, you know, uh, with, the, with the Simeon addition, it's adding a few questions, at least. So, to me, I think, I think that it's going to be a one-year thing because um, their number two prospects, Austin Martin, and their number three prospect, Jordan Groshans, are both middle infield-type guys, and I think Simeon's a, a quick fix, and those guys are going to be a long-term real deal. Both of them, I think, are top 50 prospects right now. So I think that's who the Blue Jays are banking on long-term, but I think this year they want to compete with Ryu's big contract and that pitching staff. They think they can compete this year, and I think that was a good win-down move, whereas Springer was more of a win We'll let our guys develop a this year through the peak of this team. Yeah, I, I like this move. Um, it's really, really good. Um, and besides that, there wasn't much to talk about um, in the free agent market, at least, that is, these last couple days. Um, obviously, a huge blockbuster trade, probably the biggest trade um, this offseason besides the Lindor trade. Uh, Nolan Arenado was traded to the uh, Cardinals, at least, that's what it seems. Um, so you're obviously a Cubs fan. Try not to be too biased here, but what does this do for the Cardinals? Is it like an actual com- like competitive move? Are they actually going to gun for the NL Central? A division that's probably a little weak. Um, you know, and also, if they acquire another starter, I mean, they're, they're going to be looking pretty good. I did hear you when it was good talking about the NL Central. And right now, I think with the addition of Arenado, um, nothing's changed in the Central. It's still up for grabs completely. I think all three of the teams, or four, if you include the Reds, need starting pitching. The Brewers probably have the best with Woodruff and uh, Corbin Burns at the top. But, like, the Cubs have Hendricks and Davies... Who are the Cardinals going to have? They'll have Flaherty, Flaherty and... Flaherty, uh, Wino. Yes, they have. They have Wino, and I, I can't name anybody else. They don't have a good starting oh, pitching Oh, they, they have um, Miles Michaelis. Oh, yeah, that guy. And they've got... They brought Wayne right back, and then they got a guy from Korea last year, I think. Oh, yeah, he was good. I can't remember his last name, but he was pretty good. Yeah, he was good. I don't know. We'll see. Again, 60-game season, we'll see how he evolves that. But, you know, the Cubs are going to have Alec Mills as our three. Ugh. And then the four and five are up for grabs. You might have Alzelay come up from the Lions. You can have Braylon Marquez, who's going to be a stud that day, come up from the Lions. I don't even know if he'll come up. And you've got Shelton Hill, who I completely forgot existed. <laughs> but I guess he's an option now. I, I really, I'd like to see us go out and get Arietta. I think if the Cubs can get Arietta and maybe another kind of starting pitcher, because I have more faith in a veteran 
Jeff Samarja actually they were talking to reportedly. And he's washed up and he's not very good, but get him on a small contract and I have more faith in him than I do in a rookie. Dang, that's actually pretty that's that, that's pretty big like confidence in Arietta. I think he's underrated. Um I think people are misvaluing like 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 Dallas Keuchel last year, this dude literally wants Cy Young, and it's like you are you are literally saying you don't want a Cy Young on your team. Like if I if I like you're saying to me that you wouldn't grab a 38 year old Garrett Cole or you wouldn't grab a 39 year old Max Scherzer, a 39 year old Steven Strasburg, whoever, just because they are a little washed. Exactly. It's and and the thing that those guys bring to the table is experience. And more than anything, even with John Lester on the Cubs, he wasn't very good the last two years. But the guy, if he gave up a run, a lot of times you see this with rookies, and there's a lot of the mind behind baseball. It's when rookies give up a run, they get in their heads. And it oftentimes will blow up completely. It will go from one run to five runs. And I think these veterans really have a good control over the game. They know that you play the game at their pace. And they take advantage of it, which is why I think Arietta would be such a great pickup because he's someone who dominates the game with his mindset. That honestly, that's a really, really good take. Um, but uh, honestly, um, I really, really like the bullpen market this year. Obviously, um, we got hand to Washington. Um, that was pretty big, um, and we also got. Uh, um, who else? Uh, we got Hand to Washington, uh, obviously Hendricks to Chicago, which is, honestly, that's, uh, uh honestly, that's really, really awesome. Uh, uh, we also... I like, I like the Hendricks move. I think that this receiver market was so big that they almost could have gone another way. But I, I like the Hendricks move. I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, I don't like the overpay that much. Uh, you know, I mean, but what do you expect? I mean, he's, in my opinion, the second best reliever in the game. Um, you know, I, I know some people think he's the yeah. best reliever, but, yeah. uh, you know, I think Hater's a little better. You know, uh, I think Hater's still that one guy for me. Uh, Hendricks. To me, they're different. they're different kinds of guys. Hater's going to be your three-inning reliever yeah who can really pick up slack if you have a bad game from your starter and Hendricks is going to be the guy who pitches the ninth every single night and is lights out so I think they're apples and oranges it's hard to compare but in my mind they're definitely definitely the top two pitchers in baseball well, well no that's why like that's why the the Brewers are so scary to me like they're their lineup isn't anything to like you know laugh at I mean you still got Yelich in there um there's you know, it's definitely not like a great all-star lineup, but I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, Hera is pretty underrated, um, and uh, you know, obviously, it, th- there's rumors they might get Turner. Uh, also, some rumors they might get, I think, like a few other guys. Um, but another big bat would be huge, in my opinion. So, um, I think, I mean, NL Central's up for grabs. So. Uh, good. It's gonna be a dogfight for the NL Central, honestly. Um, we might see like one team take the lead, and then the next team takes the lead, and then it might come down to the last part of the season. It might just. Yeah, 
think it'll be very because what people are forgetting is that Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, and Chris Bryant still have potential. They're not old. That role. Baez and Contreras and um, Bryant are still in their 20s, and Rizzo's 30 or 31, and these guys have a lot left in the tank. If they can produce, they, I, I have confidence in them. It's like they did it And I don't think they come to be a World Series winner again, but I think they can be a playoff team. I think the same thing. I think a lot of people underrate the Cubs. Um, you know, just because you trade away uh, Darvish, look, you still have Kyle Hendricks. You want to know how scary Kyle Hendricks is? He is very, very scary. Um, honestly, I would love to have Kyle Hendricks uh, on the south side. He is so good. Uh, he He's just, he's lights out on the mound. He pitches with, like, he's not like a guy that's going to, like, pop his head off every single time he comes off the mound, like the other Hendricks on Chicago. Um, but, you know, he's just, he's a different kind of character. Um, and I think that's, yeah. like, usual with the Cubs staff. Like, none of them really, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say they don't get fun with it, but I, I feel like the lineup's a little more fun, uh, while the rotation is kind of like, okay, yeah, I just pitched those innings. Yeah, that's about it. I, I, oh, I just yeah, like that. yeah. I, the rotation is a big if, of course. And I, I don't even think the Cubs front office knows what's going to happen. You're putting a lot of trust in Zach Davies to be good, which he can be. You're putting a lot of trust in Alec Mills, which he hasn't played very much. And you're putting a lot of trust in your They are going to be filling those spots for minor leagues. But shifting gears a little bit, I think the National League is going to be so fun to watch this year. You've got the Braves, the Mets, the Nationals, possibly the Marlins, and it looks like all five of them are going to be competing for a wild card spot and the division title. And then you've got the Dodgers and Padres out west, so I think it's going to be a really competitive and fun year. Yeah, in my opinion, it's going to be a pretty uh, weird year, too. Um, Obviously, uh, it's going to be just kind of weird to see, like, how some of these teams perform. Um, If the 60-game slump was just kind of like a, I don't know, a weird thing for the Mets. If a 60-game slump was uh, a weird thing for the Padres, White Sox, and Blue Jays. Um, in my opinion, it's not, though. All three of those teams are playoff teams. All three of those teams have the potential to win a pennant. Um, and, uh, it, it's going to be just pretty fun. I mean, uh, it's going to be the Bombers, uh, who are kind of defending the old man mantle, uh, out in the, um, AL. And then there's the two teams that are built for the future. And real quick, I just want to say... Anybody who's saying the Padres and the White Sox don't have any prospects, um, first off, the White Sox have five top ten, top 100 po- prospects, uh, which is pretty scary um, for anyone who is a fan of um, anyone in the Central. And the Padres still have, like, four or five po- prospects. Yeah, um, and the Padres have two in the top ten. They've got Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams. Yeah. both top 10. And it's interesting. I'll, I'm really curious to see what they do with Abrams. He projects as a big league shortstop, and obviously I think shortstop's taken. 
Yeah, they got Hun Sang Kim. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, they they're playing MLB the show. Yeah, they exactly. Best available is like they're drafting. They they're not filling needs. If I were them, I would have gone out and got the outfielder. Like Joe Musgrove makes their like they have the opportunity to get out for the best for the Okay, let's just let's just say it honestly. Um, let's just say it. I mean, Darvish. I mean, what are you doing, Cubs? The Pirates literally fleece the the Padres for Musgrove, and then the Cubs can't even get. In return, the guy who got robbed of Cy Young slash the guy who was like, in my opinion, Degrom kind of got robbed, but Darvish was kind of robbed too. Um, I mean, it's just, I mean, how do you? I mean, so what I what the Cubs are doing is they're playing the gamble game, which they've been historically very good at, where. They're essentially buying lottery tickets. They're buying a bunch of 18-year-olds and 19-year-old guys who are so that their rankings right now is, you know, I think our best guy is like 10th, our 10th best prospect. But in three years, he could easily be our second best prospect, and he could easily be a top 50 prospect. He could also be out of the game of baseball. You never know. But we got, I think it's four or five kind of gambles like that. The surest bet is uh, Owen Cassie, who is their first round pick this year, they sent to us. Mm. And, um, yeah, in six years, we'll either look back at them and say, that was the best trade of all time. Uh, the Cubs got superstars out of that. Like we would say with Anthony Rizzo, when the Cubs traded for Anthony Rizzo, he was a nothing, he was a no one. Um, you, you just never know with this kind of stuff. They could also run up the majors, and it could be a terrible trade. But I think Darvish's age was a red flag for the Padres and why we didn't get that much. Yeah, um, honestly, like... I like that perspective, and one thing I want to want to say here is, honestly, the way you talked about the Padres having like so many options um, in the infield, honestly, it reminds me a little bit of what we're doing because we have two top nine prospects uh, that are both first basemen. And then yes. we have the MVP, who should stop playing first base as we speak. Sorry, Jose, but you need to stop playing first base. Your DRS is terrible. Um, yep. Your your def- your defense. You can make a. You're like Tim Anderson. You can have some great plays, and then you can have some god awful plays. Um, but uh, honestly, just can we please get Vaughn or Sheets up here? Vaughn is the number fourteen prospect. Probably would be a little higher if he played past single A or double A. I think. Um, yeah. If he played, uh, if he played in triple A, he would be top ten. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, but trade Gavin Sheets, trade Gavin Sheets away for like a starting pitcher at the deadline. 
you're not going to... Like, this guy has no future. You're, like, just his ETA is 2021, and nobody's talking about him. Like, I like the guy. I've heard about him. But he just... There's no future. Like, it's just... It's simple as that. It's like the Canerco and the Abreu situation. It's like, there is that one guy who's going to take that spot at first, and it's so obvious. Just... That's... It, yeah, I... I happens a lot in baseball that you think, so I'm going to go back to the Cubs because I think the Cubs have a very good example of so their kind of old core for everything, is uh, Wilson Contreras came out as a third baseman, and the Cubs were like, we catcher for the future, so we're going to put you a catcher and we're going to see what you can do, because they thought Kyle Schwarber was a terrible catcher, and they didn't have a left fielder, so they said, Schwarber, you go try left field, and they'll put you there. And it worked. Contreras isn't the best defensive catcher, but he's fine. And Schwarber is a bad left fielder, but he didn't cost the team that many runs. Like, his DRS was mediocre, his OAA was mediocre, but it wasn't terrible. And I think teams like the White Sox and Padres are going to have to take gamble like that, where maybe you move on to right field. Uh, something like that and I, I don't know if you can play there I need to look at you know height, weight, speed, all that kind of stuff but it, it might be worth something looking into that right field they don't have a right fielder for the future and that's yeah, they do. the only position that they don't have a right fielder for or that they don't have a yeah, they do. player for the <laughs> like they have Madrigal at second who's going to be a stud uh, hello Anderson is going to be a short for the long time You've got Moncada at third. He's not going anywhere. Moncada's and then you've got Eloy and Robert in the outfield. They're not going anywhere. So and Grandal. Uh, so I think the entire team is set. The entire team is set, but you're missing out on that one guy who you are very, very high on, and you literally just skip past his name. Uh, little guy named Nucleus uh, Cespinus. Yes. Yes, and you just skip by his name. He's a right fielder. Hello. That um, is true. I, I, everybody me. forgets um, we just signed the number one international prospect. His ETA is probably like 2022, but guess what? Possibly even 2023. But guess what? If you just angle in at and Eaton, Eaton has Eaton finished like top 20 MVP voting in 2014. If we see anything like that, that would be huge. But Yeah. These guys are not here for the long term. He's a short term fix. That's exactly that's like true. I didn't like I I was high on Springer to begin with, but when I heard that we were getting this guy, he sounds like a complete stud. I mean, yeah, Cespedes is a five tool player. He's yeah. old and he's not going to get any better than what he is right now. But I don't care because right now, if you put him in the MLB, he's a five tool player. So I think if he develops in the minor for a year. And, you know, Holmes is fielding in a big league ballpark. It, it could be scary. He's got the speed. I'd almost, honestly, if I were his coach, which I'm not, if I were his coach, um, I'd look at putting him in center. Because I know Robert is crazy, or even left, and move Eloy into right, because I think he's a very good fielder. And right field might not be the best place to showcase that. Honestly, yeah. I mean, usually... And I'm not saying, you know, all the time, but let's just look at it, guys. What is everybody always talking about? Left bats. Lefty bats. Usually, you'll have, like, 
maybe seven right bats and then like two yeah. left bats. So yeah. if the ball's not traveling to Eloy, that's great. Like don't don't put it in Eloy's play. I mean he's terrible. I mean he's just yeah, he's, he's bad. He's, he's, there's no other way to put it. I mean, uh, Cespinus, from what I heard, can play pretty good defense. So, um, and Robert there too. Um, yeah, honestly, I mean, Cespinus has almost Robert level defense. It's way above average, and he is potentially a five to a player. He's ridiculously fast. That might even be his best tool. And I think he can track down fly balls very well. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, Lots and he, of opportunities. Yeah, and he's kind of like magical, from what I understand. He's like not that much of a home run hitter, but he hits for average and he does it good. Um, yes. You know, I think that's better because this White Sox team is looking too much like the Yankees, where they just hit bomb after bomb, and then yes. they never get small ball. So I think um, that won't be a problem for them like right now because I feel like Grandal, his power is going to be be coming back like. His power in the in the postseason, we only saw three games, but he was really really good in the postseason. Yes. Two home runs and only th- in his first two games in the postseason for the White Sox. So well, I, I think that's where Madrigal comes in also because that guy is playing in the nineteen seventies and I love it. Oh, I so love awesome. it. He's going to be so fun to watch because his basketball skills are ridiculous. He's like DJ LeMahieu times five. Oh, he, he has so much potential. Like, honestly, if this kid... Okay, let's just be honest. Most of these guys in the in the minors are there for a little too long. If Madrigal is there for the time that some of these guys are there, like, for example, if he never goes to college and he gets drafted out of high school, oh, God. Yeah. This dude oh, is... Yeah. Oh, boy. He is really, really going to be good. Um, you know, just a great... Ba- he's, he's honestly reminded me of Ted Williams a little bit. Um, yeah, he is. It's just, he can hit so well. He hits opposite field, center field, left field, wherever. It's awesome. And he doesn't strike out. No. He does not strike out. And it's it's going to be in a lineup full of big swings and lots of strikeouts. Robert, Eloy, all of those guys are going to strike out a ton. Oh, yeah. But, like, um, that's true. This guy, he, he's not going to strike out. I, I, fe- I think you're looking at maybe maybe 50 strikeouts in a season. And I don't even think he'll strike out that many times. Honestly, I think the same thing, like, okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Okay, Abreu is one of the worst strikeouts in all of the game. He strikes out so much. so annoying. It's like, it's either boom or bust for the guy. It's either like, oh, I'm going to hit one to to left field or right field, or I'm going to strike out. So... It's, you know, um, what I like is his opposite field uh, power. He can hit basically wherever. Um, that swing is just so weird. Um, you know, but, again, it's it's all about that small ball for them and the, and the Padres, quite honestly. Like, the Padres yeah. operated with a home run hitting team. You need small ball, too. The, 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 uh, the Dodgers had it. I mean... I think, I think that's where Congress comes in in San Diego. Because he's a big small ball guy, actually very similar to Madrigal in many ways. I think a poor man's Nick Madrigal maybe. Cool. guy as well, but he hits homers also. He's not an either or. 
Yeah, so obviously we have done a few uh, collabs together on your uh, page. Uh, obviously we've done uh, positional rankings. Um, yep. And uh, obviously uh, there's been some controversy in the comments, um, but honestly I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, the lists. Um, I think they're basically all realistic. Like, honestly, Juan Soto is, in my opinion, one because, look... He has so much potential, and honestly, I hate hearing Tatis is the guy of the future. I hate it. It's Juan Soto. It is Juan Soto. Get it through your head. That kid is the next Mike Trout. I don't like. I don't want to put anyone on Mike Trout's level, but that kid is so talented. Like his defense could, eh? It's it's pretty good. Like it, it could lose. Yeah. It could use some improvement, but um, it, his bat is filthy. He hits. So much. Um, he probably. Me, he's, he's two years removed from being as good as Mike Trout, and Mike Trout is a player for the ages. I think when he finishes, he could go down as a top three player of all time. I think when Soto finishes his career, he's going to be the best player of all time. He's twenty-two years old. It's unbelievable. He's twenty-two. He already has a ring. Would have won the MVP, um, and then he visibly carried the offense um, throughout that whole year. And stop talking to me about how the Nationals are overrated. Like, they're good. Yeah. They're really good. Very, they're they're dangerous. Good. I said if they get a closer, it's either Brad Hand or Alex Colome. I was I was ruling out Hendricks yep. at the time because I was like, look, don't spend that much money on Hendricks because let's not forget you have Will Harris, um, who's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I said either hand or column A, and obviously they came through with hand, so bullpen scary. Lineup is really scary, especially with Soto in there. Um, Soto, Robles, Schwarber. Yeah, exactly. That was about, I, I was about to get to. If Strasburg stays healthy, oh my god, this is going to be a very, very scary team all around. Yeah, Corbin, Strasburg, Scherzer, four and five are question marks, but I don't care if you're throwing... Corbin, Strasburg, and Scherzer three out of every five days. That gives you a very good chance to win three out of every five days, which in Major League Baseball is a playoff team. Exactly. Like, that is a playoff team in Major League Baseball, especially in the National League. Like, the National League is going to be harder than the AL, but let's just assess yeah. it. The AL was much harder in the past. Um, obviously, this year in the AL, you had to win 35 games in order to get into the um, playoffs uh, in a five-team playoff, and yep. that last team was obviously going to be the Chicago White Sox. Um, the Yankees actually had a worse record, but since that whole crappy thing where it's like, oh, uh, the two seed gets a higher seed because that makes, or the two, the two person, uh, the two team yep. uh, gets a higher seed because that makes a lot of sense. Even though the White Sox were better yeah. than. Yeah, um, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty snowing over here. Um, is it really? Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful right now, but it's so windy. It yeah. is so windy. I have never seen anything like this. Yeah, it's coming down pretty hard over here. Uh, but, uh, so, any final thoughts about, uh, MLB, like, uh, for example, Odorizzi, Paxton, who's gonna sign? Paxton are both 
going to be good additions. Would you say they're the two best starting pitchers on the market oh. right now? Oh, oh well, uh, dare I say it? Um, I guess. You know what? No. Yes. Yes, they are. Because Bauer is overrated, and Bauer, let's let's not forget, Bauer sucked in 2019 with both teams that he was with. And I don't care if he wins Cy Young in a 2020 Mickey Mouse season where he can't get catch any offense. Look, Paxton... And when, I, when I say best, I don't mean best in terms of it's good of a player, but in terms of value for the player, I think those two are the best. Yes, exactly. Like, I, I think that's a good point. Like, um, Paxton... Uh, is a I think he's a former All Star. I I'd have yeah. to check. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's the former ace of the Yankees. Um, and then you got Odorizzi, who is literally one of the most underrated um, pitchers in all of the game. Look, this guy was an All Star in 2019. This guy knows how to pitch. And I, you know I hate hearing Barrios yeah. and Maeda are so much better than him when it's like. This guy is so good. Like, he's underrated. Seeing him in the division, he's scary. He's very scary. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is you're going to get Odorizzi or Paxton for $12 million, I think. To, I, that would be, I guess, 12 to $14 million. And the AAP for Bauer could be anywhere up to $35 million. And I do not think that Bauer is three times the player of Odorizzi. I really don't. I don't even think he's two times the player. Maybe 1.5. But I, I just, I'd stay away from that if I was a GM. I, I honestly, okay, I just, I'm going to say this. Um, for my for my final closing thought on a starting yes. pitcher. I'm going to say this. Any team, anywhere, can sign Odorizzi, Paxton, or Walker. You're gonna have to be pretty, pretty high on yourself if you're gonna get Bauer. But here's what I'm gonna say: any team that is being counted out right now, I'll give you an example: the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox, the the kind of the Toronto Blue Jays, because most people thought that they were gonna get Paxton, and then now everybody stopped talking about it. The D-backs, even look, the D-backs, they're not in full rebuild mode yet. They might get a one-year deal on Walker. Uh, and obviously yeah. the Reds. What if the Reds get one of these guys? Do you know how scary that's going to be? You have, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're replacing Bauer, but like they might be better than Bauer, like Paxton or that's, and that's or People keep on forgetting all they lost was Bauer. Yeah, they didn't lose at anyone else. No, and most and, ba- and most people were saying like this team is going to be so good because they have Gray and Castillo at one and two yeah. at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... If they hold on to everyone, and I'm going to say the same thing about the Cubs, because they've been rumored to trade their guys, and even the Brewers, if they hold on to Heater, I think all three of those teams can be very, very, very good. Honestly, like, um, the only team that's, like, not questionable for rebuild in the Central is the Cardinals. Like, they might, yeah. they might not even be my favorite right now. Like... Honestly, the Arenado trade, it's good, but honestly, what does this do? Like, their lineup is pretty good. They have Edmund, they have Goldschmidt, they have Arenado, they have a deadly infield, but who, okay, they have Dylan Carlson, who um, I know someone's very, very high on. I'm not going to name off any names, Um, but... He's a question mark. 
Yeah, um, exactly. Harrison Bader is a question oh. mark. He's never even been good. No. And who else do they even have in their outfield? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's kind of questionable. Had, last year they had Matt Schrock. And who I the heck he is that? Agent. He was a weird guy who actually was good. But it, what if you don't get a weird guy who's good this year? Then what are you going to do? Okay, the ti- I think the Tigers signed Robbie Grossman, too. Yeah, That's Robbie a sneaky Grossman, move. I thought that was a good pickup for a lot of contending teams. But for the Tigers, what I don't ever understand, and the Royals did this this offseason, and the Tigers did it, is why non-contending teams sign people to one- and two-year deals. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sense. make sense. It doesn't make sense. Why do you need to waste money on them? What are they bringing to the table for you? No, that's my that's my thing. Like, okay, the Royals don't understand. Like, okay, are you trying to beat the White Sox and the Twins right now? No, you're not. You're not trying to beat those teams. And the same thing goes with the Indians. It's like Indians. You just got Eddie Rosario. Congrats. But you, okay. Most people thought that you were gonna get Jacques Peterson for a low and cheap price, and yep. he just. It's so stupid to see these teams. The Padres, Blue Jays, White Sox, I mean, actually, no, actually, the Blue Jays are controversial because they they held on to some of their core pieces for way too long, um, and they burned money on them, too. Um, yes. But the White Sox, Padres, um, oh, the Marlins are doing a great job. Um, they're phenomenal. Yes, they are, doing phenomenal. A, they are doing a great job. I love what they're doing over there. But just, like... This is my thing. Stop spending money when you are literally just trying to get good draft picks. If yeah. you if and you start tanking, all that if you it's start all that tanking, matters. have you heard those college and high school names? Do you want those guys on your major league roster, or do you just want to keep competing for a third seed exactly. or a fourth seed? It's you simple. Know, to me, the worst thing in baseball is trying to make the playoffs and being that fringe team that's like the second team out of the playoffs where you're going to have like the 18th draft pick and you didn't make the playoffs. There's no benefit to doing that. And especially these next couple years in the draft have some huge names. This draft class is insanely deep. Yeah, I, I, and I just hate it. I think the Diamondbacks actually last year played it smart. They were losing at the trade deadline and instead of getting better, they got worse. And it worked. Now they have the number five pick, and they're going to get a stud. Uh, honestly, dare I say it though? But what if, what if? So obviously, Listella and Simmons moved. Um, but what if the, um, what if the D-backs dumped Bumgarner for, like, for like some just to get rid of the salary cap and get some prospects in return? Let's sure. not forget. I, I don't know why not. I mean, this guy, I mean, he is a former World Series MVP. He's a three-time World Series champion. Do you forget what this guy used to do? It's like the Arietta and Keuchel situation. This guy yeah, was so exactly. good. Like, you stick him on the right team, I feel like he's that guy. If you stick him on the right team, definitely not the Rockies. He's going to suck. Um, yeah. But if you no, stick him on the right team. Teams, he is the right guy. And I think sometimes a chain of, of scenery benefits people. And I know it sounds stupid because there's no real proof behind that, but I think it allows you to get into a new environment 
some people get crushed by the media in their city. And moving on to a new city, you don't have the media constantly portraying you as an antagonist. And hey, I, think, I think it's huge, actually. Yeah. Getting and moving, and I think Bumgarner's... And I say the same thing about Arietta. Their careers could be revived going to a different city. Obviously, you had the, uh, the Hall of Fame uh, debacle. Uh, I think Kurt Schilling probably should have gotten in. Um, don't know yeah. too much... Don't know too much about, uh, you know, Barry Bonds is really, really controversial. Uh, yeah. I feel like possibly, maybe someday, but, uh, you know, I really, really hope that Poppy gets in. Just come on, I, let him in. I, I think he will. I, you know, really, I don't know how much looked into the whole steroid era thing, but um, Jose Canseco oh, God. is the guy who's ruined he ruined baseball, and not in, in in some ways he didn't. In some ways he made baseball more fun, but he ruined these guys' careers. And I don't think Bond should pay for it. Sure, he did it, but he wasn't the one who was revolutionizing the game like that. It was all on Canseco. That guy is an absolute lunatic, and I feel like he should pay the price more than anyone else should for steroids. Oh, he's he's pretty weird. Um, especially oh, just watched a video so on him. Uh, definitely uh, an interesting I, I, character. I think I watch the exact same video. Yeah, I think I think everybody in the uh, IG baseball community knows uh, who baseball doesn't exist is. Um, yes. Very yeah. very entertaining guy. I, I like hearing it. I watched the uh, the disco demolition. Uh, considering I went to the I think it was like thirtieth or fiftieth anniversary of whenever that took place um, yeah. at White Sox Park. Got a shirt for, from it. Um, that was awesome, but yeah, honestly, that guy, his, his like intonation is so weird in his videos, but his content is amazing. So I watch a lot of his stuff. Very interesting. Yeah, especially when he's addressing the uh, the pitching situation, uh, which we won't go into too much into depth. Just, let's just say, honestly, hitters are getting so much of an advantage um, yeah. that honestly, maybe foreign substances are a little better. Um, I don't think we should be using them to an extent like Trevor Bauer is, but um, I think it's a thing for conversation. Like, it's nothing. Um, it's like the All steroid right. era, but, you know, um, that's going to probably wrap it up. Uh, huge, yeah. pretty big, pretty long podcast today. Um, but I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, really, really big week in baseball. Um and, uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap it up, yeah, guys. Yeah, you're right. Well, it was good talking with you. I feel like you got your own face. I always love all the time. Sounds good. All right, guys. Um, so that's going to wrap it up. Um, and uh, we will check you guys in the next one.